Hello, I'm Jeffrey Mishlove. Today, I'd like you to imagine with me that we are both fully telepathic. That means we're open to the consciousness of every other human being on planet Earth right now. Let's limit it to that for the moment. And to my way of thinking, there's somewhere between, I don't know, seven or eight billion people on the planet right now. All of them, if you were to hear all of their thoughts simultaneously, it would be like a great big ohm sound, a continual billions of thoughts, billions of thoughts. And if we were to probe deeper within that constant ohm sound, we would come to realize that it contains actually a whole range of human experiences at any given moment. There are people with murderous rage in their hearts. There are people who are actually committing murder right at this second, right at this second. And on the other side, there are saintly people. There are people who are sending out healing energy. You know, there are certain religious groups, for example, who have healers and people sending out positive energy. Perhaps they are located in monasteries high in the Himalayas or uh, in other locations where small groups of people get together and they maintain a hundred percent presence through chanting and meditation and prayer of sending out the highest possible divine light that they can, that they can. And so you have the highest of high consciousness and the lowest of low. Every perversion and twist and sickness of the human mind. At this very moment, people in incredible agony and people experiencing raptures of joy. These polarities are with us every second of the day on this planet. And of course, the widest range of possibilities in between. Millions and millions of people just going about their work day or uh, students in school or babies in their cribs or people sick in hospitals, people who are taking drugs, people who are, you might say, inebriated, intoxicated, out of their minds, people who are hallucinating and experiencing incredible delusions, all combined to create this OM sound. I might mention, incidentally, that my friend Dean Brown, about whom I've spoken in earlier in presence segments, once explained it to me that according to his way of thinking, the word OM, the Sanskrit sound OM, is actually the root from which we derive our word for human. 
I don't know if it's really true, but I thought it was a very lovely idea that if you could hear the thoughts of all humans on the planet right now. Most people are in a kind of a neutral space. They're not experiencing ecstasy. They're not experiencing agony. Maybe they're driving on the highway right now or milking the cows or uh, sweeping under the carpet, cleaning, the, making the beds, doing the work of the world. Most people are working or sleeping and dreaming maybe snoring. All of this is going on simultaneously. And if we allow ourselves to imagine that we're completely telepathic, then we're open to all of it. And when you think about the range of human experience, second by second, from the highest of the highs to the lowest of the lows and every kind of nuance and subtlety in between, it raises a question of how are we going to hold our consciousness throughout the day? Where do we wish to be? And I think most people would agree that neutral isn't bad. Just to be neutral is, is pretty good. And anything above, anything having to do with joy, happiness, profundity. And yet, I think there's also some merit in being dissatisfied. Not to the point of agony, <laughs> Not to the point of becoming incapacitated. But aren't there many things that we find unsatisfactory? Are we happy with all of the crime, all of the pain, all of the suffering, all of the mental illness, all of the uh, people who are dulling their minds with various uh, drugs and uh, alcohol or, or other substances, all of the people who are uh, creating injustice in the world, deliberately creating injustice in the world. There, there's a certain level of dissatisfaction with the way things are, which is normal and healthy as long as it doesn't become crippling. And maybe even if it does become crippling, for somebody who can waken themselves from that state of being crippled and take action. So perhaps to the extent that we can choose our consciousness. Maybe we would choose to be dissatisfied, to honor our dissatisfaction, maybe even to honor our anger. Aren't there things that make you angry? 
Now, the question about anger is, I suppose, and it's worth asking, to what extent is it legitimate? To what extent is it illegitimate? You know, the um, Freudian psychiatrist Karen Horney developed the notion of neurotic needs. There are some things we feel that we need and we get angry if those needs aren't satisfied, but she says they are neurotic needs. They're not real needs. We don't really need, for example, the constant approval of everybody. That's a neurotic need if we feel that we're being slighted somehow. Uh, things associated with our ego, uh, we may believe we absolutely have to have A, B, C, or D, but do we actually? Can we distinguish or discern between things that legitimately make us angry and things that make us angry for the wrong reason because we are attached to something, to our ego, to our sense of uh, status, to our sense of self-esteem, that our self-esteem is somehow dependent upon something external to us. And to the extent that we place our sense of self uh, in a way that makes it dependent upon something outside of ourselves. Well, if that's being satisfied, I suppose that's good. I mean, everybody has a need for companionship. Everybody has a need for a modicum of social recognition. I think uh, there's a point, however, at which that need becomes what Karen Horney refers to as a neurotic need. And the irony is, <laughs> if you remember the in-present segment I did regarding uh, my mentor and, and friend, a person I admire very greatly, Jean Houston, and the point that she made, she would say, there is no such thing as a pathology. If you think that you are suffering from a particular uh, sin or pathology, it could be your greatest strength. And she refers, for example, to the story of the miracle worker, uh, Helen, the Helen Kellen story, where Annie Sullivan, a, a young woman with an incredible temper, uh, used that temper in order to get through to a young girl who was deaf, dumb, and blind and teach her to read and teach her to speak and teach her to see. And Helen Keller became a great inspiration to many, many people because of Annie Sullivan's anger. So, <laughs> there's always a fine line of discernment here. And I think that uh, it's true. If, if you've identified what you consider to be a neurotic need, it could be your greatest strength if you can find a way to apply it. It could also be something you want to let go of and you're capable of letting go of. Imagine with me now that you are much more capable than you thought you were that you have the ability to let go of bad habits, that you have the ability to cultivate new habits, that you have the ability to cultivate new forms of perception. Just imagine that that's true.
Just imagine, just hold the imagination in your mind. Well, once again, it's a pleasure being with you. Thank you for being with me. Have a wonderful day.